Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. Hi there, Jeanette here. So what I'm going to cover in this session is how you can scale up your business or the department that you might be running in a larger organization. So this is for you if you have already been thinking about scaling up, you might have actually tried some things and want to get to the even the next level. Um, and this is all about giving you some ideas, some inspiration as to how you can start, because sometimes it can be very, very difficult to know how to see the wood for the trees, where to start, what the options are. Now, of course, we need to to evaluate those options so we can pick the right ones for you and your business and your role. But even before we get to that, what are the options available to you? So I am going to be taking you through what those options are. I would recommend you grab a pen and paper because there's a lot of information in here. And essentially, you know, from the last 29 years that I've spent in business, both as a corporate CEO running very large global businesses, but also as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur myself, you know, I have actually directly done all of these options myself so I can talk about them, uh, the pros, the cons, the way, the whys, the wheres um, with confidence. So, you know, this is all for me around applying that big business approach to a business of a relevant size. But essentially, regardless of the size of your business, the options are pretty much the same, actually. It's just the numbers will be different. So if you're already doing a turnover of six figures and you want to get to seven, or you're doing seven, you want to get to eight, or you're doing eight and you want to get to nine even, the options available to you are still the same. But how you apply them in a relevant way is the key. So grab that pen and paper. I'm going to get into the detail now. So the first category of options for scaling up your business are organic growth options. So essentially, this is how you grow your business using your existing operation, making it work harder for you, maybe adding some extra elements to the core business as it is. And that is what I would call organic growth options. I am going to take you through 12 of those. And as I say, every single one of these I have actually implemented myself in both the large businesses that I've ran, but also in the portfolio of the businesses that we have today ourselves. The second category of options for you scaling up are what I would call inorganic growth options. Now, these are normally related to either mergers, acquisitions, joint ventures, or a combination of both. So again, I have personally done a lot of mergers and acquisitions over the years, some of those up to, gosh, values of 600 million pounds. But equally, I've also bought smaller businesses and added on to that and almost done a combination of 
inorganic and organic. So I've got direct experience, which I'm hoping will be able to help you see which options are going to be best for you. Okay, so those are the inorganic growth options. And I'm going to take you through four of them. So grab that pen and paper. Let's first of all go into the organic growth options. Now, as I say, there are many more, but I'm going to take you through the 12, which are, I think, the most obvious ones and the ones which I have personally done myself. Okay, so, and this applies to any size of business. Okay, so the first one is about looking at your existing products and services that you offer and adding some extra value aspects to your offering. Okay, so I will give you an example. So if you were in a travel business, for example, you might, your core offering might be a package holiday using a uh, economy flight and a standard room type. Now, you might also then, with a value add, be looking to offer the client an upgrade to maybe business class flying, to a superior suite, etc. So the core offering is the same, but you're adding more value to the overall proposition, which ultimately allows you to charge a higher price, give more value to the customer and be able to give them the option there to trade up, essentially. Now, as I say, this applies to any business. Okay. So if you had a, a buy to let portfolio, for example, and you were managing that on behalf of other investors, you know, you might actually offer more extension of services to the standard offering. You know, you might actually offer to sort out their insurance for them or, you know, as well as dealing with the tenants, you might also be, you know, finding the tenants, retaining the tenants throughout that period as well. Okay, so lots of different options for how you can add value to your existing products. The second point of how you can scale up organically is by creating new products and services. Okay, so what you will have, you will have your core offering and then you can create some new products and services. Okay, so if you were, for example, a travel business, again, you know, you'd offer a core package, but then you might also be able to create an ins a travel insurance offering for your clients. So essentially what you're trying to do here is to offer the client, your customers, more opportunities to buy things from you. Okay, um, whatever that might be. So if you were in, um, say, the retail segment and you were actually retailing clothing as your main business, you might then start to extend and offer, um, you know, home products etc. So, which is what, if you think about someone like, say, Next, you know, their core offering really is the clothing that they offer, but they also have their home department, which does very well as well. So, that's an example of where a business has added new products and services to their core offering. The third one, expand into a new geographical area. So, you might be localized. You might offer, you know, uh, your products and services locally in, say, I don't know, Oxford or you might be up in Bradford, for example, and have a local business, how could you extend geographically into other regions if you're a UK-based business? If you already have a UK business that's in multiple locations, 
Netherlands, your geographical expansion may be into other European markets, for example. So, you know, certainly when I was at TUI, the core source markets for TUI were very much European, but the strategic imperative was around expanding into emerging markets, which is where my role came in when I was the MD of the emerging markets. I expanded TUI into Russia, China, India, Brazil, um, through a combination of inorganic and organic growth, actually. But essentially, it was turning TUI from a European-centric business into a genuinely global business. So geographical expansion. The fourth point, new forms of distribution. So say, for example, you have been a traditional bricks and mortar operation. Maybe you have a premise, retail premises where the customer would physically go to consume your product or buy from you. You know, by adding a new form of distribution, whether it, you know, through, say, online, uh, which has obviously been a massive, massive growth segment, allows you to capture possibly a different type of client. It also maybe allows you to create what I would call omnipresence, whereby the customer might start their journey online with you and then actually go into a physical store or premise or office in order to, to, to make the final purchase. So being omni-channel can also be a very, very powerful. Um, it's, the, it's the idea of being anywhere, everywhere, wherever the client needs you. So expanding your into different forms of distribution. The fifth point is around changing your marketing mix. This is very much linked to point four. So you might have been making people aware of your products and services through a particular marketing channel. Maybe you had been focused on traditional media, you know, print, advertising, etc. Whereas actually a shift to online marketing, social media allows you again to possibly appeal to a new client that might not be aware of what you were doing, um, but also will allow allow you to drive that business into the different distribution channels that you have. Okay, so knowing how to remix your marketing according to where you're going to get the best return for your investment is absolutely critical for any business, regardless of the size of your business, may I say. So this equally applies to small businesses and big businesses. I told you I was going to go through a lot, didn't I? <laughs> So we're halfway through the organic growth options. Okay, so we are now on point six, which is about increasing your prices. So you may have been operating um, at a certain price point for a very long time. And actually, you know, you might have a really loyal customer base. Now, it's always a challenge to know when to increase your prices um, because the nervousness can often be that you don't want to lose your loyal customers that have been used to paying a certain price. But nonetheless, even just by nudging up your prices accordingly to, you know, any cost base increases very often need to be passed on to the customer anyway, um, but also maybe adding on an extra few percent onto the price can obviously, you know, make quite a big difference in terms of your overall overall revenue, but also the bottom line if that flight flies through all the way through to your profit number at the bottom of your profit and loss account. So increasing your prices. 
Um, and actually, I think sometimes it's about having the confidence in your offering, the value in your offering. If you know what you offer is excellent value, you're really going the extra mile for the client to increase your prices with confidence um, will often allow you to do that. And, you know, sometimes I think, you know, we tend to have be a bit nervous about doing this kind of thing, but cheap is not necessarily good. And there is a perception of value as well. You know, why is it that people pay thousands and thousands of pounds for designer handbags? Well, of course, there's the values associated with the brand. There's the fact it could be differentiated. There's a cachet around spending a higher um, amount of money on a designer handbag than a handbag you might buy from Primark. You know, so actually increasing your prices with confidence is is critical. But you have to add, you have to offer good value and service, of course. And the more you can differentiate your offering, and by that I mean making sure that you offer something different to your competitors, will allow you to increase your prices even more with ease than if you are in a very generic space where everyone is just comparing um, the same offering. Okay, point number seven now, this is important as well. Segment your customer database. Now, even if you're a small business with, you know, even just I don't know, a handful of clients or a few hundred customers or a few thousand, actually understanding your customers and how they segment is critical. Now, what I often do when I work with my uh, one-to-one mentees or with the businesses that I advise, I go into this in a lot more detail. I could do a whole session just on this alone. But essentially, if you think of a pyramid and at the bottom of the pyramid, you've got the wide bit at the base. So this is your high volume um, customers or potential customers, um, but probably low value. Okay, high volume, low value. And then as you go up the pyramid to the top of the pyramid, you would have fewer clients, fewer customers, but they are high value. They're incredibly loyal to you and they have what I would call a high lifetime value. So i.e. how much has the client actually spent with you, not just in one year or one season or, you know, one for one particular promotion, but over the course of the whole time they have been engaging with you and buying and your services or product. So segmenting your customer base and you can do this. The more data you have, the better, obviously, because it allows you then for each of the categories, and you may have four or five categories in that pyramid as you go up the pyramid. What it allows you to do is to set criteria for what type of clients fall into which category. And from there, you are then able to actually shape the product and the service proposition accordingly, and also the marketing approach and the distribution strategy that I spoke about earlier according to where they sit on that pyramid. Okay. And ultimately, what are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to move people up the pyramid with us by offering them compelling product services and really rewarding loyalty, but also driving higher value from those customers for our business. Okay. So segmenting your database is so important. I can do a whole session on that alone, as I say. 
The next point is all about going for a new customer segment. So for example, your niche, your ideal client might be um, someone that's say aged 20 to 30. They could be much more focused on sort of more of a transaction, high volume transaction. You might decide, okay, that's great. That's my core client. But what I'm going to do is actually start to appeal to a slightly older demographic that maybe has higher disposable income that actually maybe would be open to buying a higher value product for me. So you actually go for a different customer segment. Okay. So again, this comes back to really knowing your customer and having a clear strategy, but that can open up a whole new set of customers that you would never have had before. So going for a new customer segment. The, uh, the next point, point number, point number uh, nine, is all about doing deals with new suppliers. So again, linked to your products of the, what you offer, you might have been working with a certain supplier, maybe if you're in retail or, you know, certain merchandiser that you've worked with for a long time. Well, actually to refresh your product offering might require moving to some new suppliers. You might be able to negotiate better terms and conditions with a new supplier, even if you don't change the product offering. So on a regular basis, I would recommend any business to review your supplier base, the commercial terms that you have with those suppliers, but also align that with your proposition offering to the client, to your customer. Um, and, you know, that might even be involved in, you know, changing payment terms, for example, that means that your cash flow improves because of the payment terms. So doing deals with new suppliers that maybe you've not worked with before can be incredibly powerful. It's often something that people don't concentrate on so much because it's not customer facing necessarily, but ultimately it does feed through in terms of the commercial terms and ultimately the price that the customer, your end customer will pay, but also the product offering. So even though it's more behind the scenes, very, very important. Okay. Point number 10, create a sub-brand. So again, you might actually have a very well-known brand in your market that is known for something. You could be market leader in a particular product, service, geographical space. And you might want to actually expand by creating some new products and services, by targeting a different customer segment. But ultimately, you might not want to do that under your existing brand because it may cause confusion. It could potentially put off your existing customers that where you're very, very well known. So another option here is to create a sub-brand and that can often, or a totally different brand. So that can often allow you to create quite a different position in the market without any risk to your existing brand. Okay. Um, so it could be a sub-brand or it could be a totally different brand, but that's often a great way to be able to trial some new new stuff without actually jeopardizing your core business. So that's something to think about. Point number 11 on the organic growth options, white label your existing products. So essentially, this is where you take exactly the product offering that you have and you white label it where you put almost like a, a different brand, a different name across the front of it. But essentially, the operation sitting behind it 
is the same as your existing business. So it allows you to appeal to a whole different segment. You might actually do this very often when you're working with a B2B client. So you might have a B2C offering, for example, and someone else might want to take your operation and sell it under their own brand or under a white label brand uh, that allows you to, to essentially scale up in a different way. And then the final point, uh, point number 12 on the organic growth options is this, revisit old leads and lapsed customers. Okay, now, very often we're so focused on driving new business and generating new leads that we forget to revisit our old leads or lapsed customers. Now, again, when you've segmented your customer database, as I spoke about earlier, you may have had people that have inquired about your product or service, but they never actually bought anything. They didn't convert. So, but they have shown an interest. So there is already an, a level of engagement there from those clients. By revisiting those kind of customers, it should be a much easier way to convert into a sale than if you're starting totally from scratch. It can often be a cheaper way because you don't necessarily need to spend as much on marketing as you do to acquire a new customer as to revisit an old customer. And it allows you to refresh the conversation, refresh the relationship. If you've launched something new, for example, in the market, that can also be a great opportunity, a good excuse, if you like, to, to pick up the phone. So if you're a smaller business, you know, this could just be as simple as actually, you know, going through your contact list um, of previous people that maybe you did business with a long time ago and you haven't for a while to say, hey, just wanted to check in with you. Just wanted to let you know we've got this brand new uh, product that I think is I'm really excited about. I think you might be interested in. So you can see it's a nice way way to reopen up a conversation either through marketing or from a one-to-one -one point of view with on the end of the phone or a nice message etc but it's incredibly powerful and often people neglect this when they're thinking about scaling up so please don't because it's a really really good strategy to actually get some growth um, so it doesn't all have to be about new clients okay so I told you I was going to go through a lot so I'm going to recap on these very very quickly um, so you can note them down if you haven't already one of the organic growth options number one um, create value add-ons to your existing products. Number two, create new products and services. Number three, expand into a new geographical area. Number four, look at new forms of distribution. Number five, change your marketing mix. Number six, increase your prices. Number seven, segment your customer database. And when you have that visibility, then point number eight, go for a new customer segment to appeal to people you have never attracted before. Point number nine, do deals with new suppliers. It could help you have a different quality offering, but also could improve your commercial terms. Point number nine, <laughs> oh no, sorry, point number, point number 10, create a sub-brand. Point number 11, white label existing products. And point number 12, revisit old leads or lapsed customers. Okay, so those are your organic growth options for scaling up your business. So there's a lot in there. I have personally delivered every single one of them over my 29 years in business, both uh, when I was in corporate life, but also what I do now. Now advising other businesses to scale up and also my own businesses to scale up.
Okay, so the second part of this now, I'm going to take you through the inorganic growth options. Okay, so it, this again really requires a lot more detail. So I'm just going to give you the headings for now and a bit of a summary and I will do a future more detailed uh, podcast episode, post and video on YouTube that goes into a lot more detail. Okay, so, but essentially the inorganic growth options are really four broad ones. The first one is merge, merge with another company. Okay, so this could be another a competitor that is currently in your space, they're in your sector, or maybe they're in a sort of a, an adjacent sector, um, but essentially you merge the two companies into one uh, to create a broader offering. Now, when you do this, you want to make sure that two and two equals five, not three, of course, and mergers um, are complicated they are not to be taken lightly, but equally, that can be a great way to get growth fast. It comes at a price potentially, but you could also do, you know, a value exchange. If you're merging and both of your businesses have a certain valuation that's broadly equal by bringing them together, actually, maybe no cash needs to actually take uh, exchange hands at all. So it can be a really good way um, to merge with another company. Important to make sure that your values are aligned, that you're clear on why you're merging and what the actual new organization is going to be able to achieve. So don't do this lightly. You need to do, do your due diligence and you need to have a really clear strategic view how this fits into what you're trying to achieve. OK, so merging with another company. The second way is you could joint venture, maybe on specific parts of your business. So you might actually think, well, you know, I don't want to merge my entire company with um, another organization, but I am actually open to doing a joint venture. Um, on specific projects or with specific segments of your business that can be separated out. So, you know, in the world of property, for example, joint ventures can be a great way where, you know, maybe it's a 50-50 joint venture where an investor puts in the cash and actually you then, you know, you, you, buy, the, you buy the property on behalf of the investor, you actually do the refurbishment and essentially then you manage the property going forward and you split the uh, equity growth and the cash flow 50-50. So in this particular example, you know, the investors put in the money in, you're putting in the, the time and the experience and the capability. So joint ventures, um, you need to understand very clearly what each party brings to the table again um, and have very, very upfront discussions around what the joint venture is trying to achieve, the terms for that. You need a very, very strong, you know, shareholders agreement. You need to plan for the what, what I'd call the what if scenarios. Um, because essentially you're getting into bed with someone and you need to, with all of the inorganic growth options actually, you need to plan for the divorce um, at the same time as uh, before you actually have the marriage. Okay. The third inorganic growth option is to acquire a competitor. So you might want to go in and buy another business. Now, this could be, um, it could be in exactly the same space as you. So essentially, you're buying market share. You might be buying that business um, to keep the brand, or you might be actually wanting to rebrand it. You, you might actually be buying that competitor to take them out of the market. 
um, because they're a threat. So there's lots of different reasons why you would acquire a competitor. You might actually be looking at acquiring a competitor that is in a different segment to you or an adjacent segment, um, whereby you've looked at the organic options for how you could grow in that area, but it would take you too long to get there. So acquiring a competitor can be a much faster way to scale up your business, but of course it comes at a price. Um, of course, you can buy distressed businesses, uh, maybe businesses, you know, buy a business for a pound. That absolutely does happen and is more than possible. And then, of course, you can add value by turning that business around, applying your, you know, your skills, your capability, the resources you have in your own business in order to actually extract value from that acquisition. So there's lots of different ways, but acquiring a competitor can be a great way to scale up fast. And then the fourth inorganic growth option, which I'm going to take you through, is what I would call a buy and build strategy. So this is where you would essentially buy a business um, and then you apply the organic growth options to it to the combined entity. So it's a combination. So it's the buy part is really creating the platform, if you like, for the growth. And then you, uh, you build on top of that. So often this is, a, this is sort of a, a, an in-between option, if you like, because you might buy a slightly smaller competitor and then apply the organic growth options rather than acquiring a bigger competitor that will already give you the scale that you're looking for. So I hope that makes sense. Essentially, this is exactly what I did when I was the MD of the emerging markets at TUI in, in Russia, we acquired a number of businesses and then applied the assets that TUI could bring to those businesses to scale up and grow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really good strategy. It's, it's a combination. Um, and the reality is that when you're looking to scale up your business, there is nearly always organic growth options that are going to play out, even if you decide to go down the inorganic growth scenario. So I've gone through a lot of detail there. I'm just going to recap on the inorganic growth options for you. So number one, merge with another company. Number two, do a joint venture on a specific part of your business. Number three, acquire a competitor or number four, do a buy and build strategy, which is a combination of buying a business and then applying some organic growth options on top. So lots and lots of detail there. I, I think it's such an exciting time right now. You know, we, we've come out of a certain period of it's been really difficult for many businesses, but now's the time to scale up and grow. And I think if you do that in the right way, looking at all of these options, then there are no limits to actually what you can achieve. So if I can help you in any way, please do reach out to me. I do work with um, individual businesses to help them do exactly this. And I also work with individuals on a one-to-one -one mentoring basis, basis so they can scale up both their career, their business, but also themselves as an individual, because scaling up is different to starting up and it needs some support and help um, in order for you to be able to do it in the best way possible and grab those opportunities. So whatever you're doing today, I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day, wherever you are in the world. And remember, it is by being brave and bold, which scaling up is all about when you can unlock your brilliant for yourself, your family, your business, your teams, 
Um, it's such a powerful thing to be able to do. Super exciting. And as I say, if I can help, please do just drop me a message and we can hook up from there. Take care, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review. 